podcast with James and Jane. Hi, this is James. I wanted to let you know that as well as these podcasts, we deliver at least one free online seminar every month that you're welcome to attend wherever you are in the world. You can learn more about them and register for them via our website, www.worldofwork.io. That's www.worldofwork.io. Hello, this is James. And this is Jane. And here we are again with another episode of the World of Work podcast. But this isn't just any episode. No, this is the 100th episode of the World of Work podcast. Can you believe it? We've been doing this for 100 episodes, Jane. What are, what are we speaking about today? Oh, James, 100 episodes. Can you believe it? Well, 100, wow. It's bonkers, isn't it? So uh, we've got a really special podcast today, I think. Um, so it's a bit different from normal. Um, it's been core just over two years since you Just and I sat down. Years. Absolutely, yeah. My front room, my old front room in my old, old flat. Room, yeah. And we threw some ideas around. And eventually, I think you tentatively suggested that we actually record the conversations we were having. Dangerous, um, yes. And I just, I, I mean, I'll be really honest with you, James. It's been a weird old couple of years in the world. Yeah, that's for and, sure. And we've learned loads. And I just thought it'd yep. be a lovely, cheeky opportunity to look back at our 99 previous episodes and pick out. I don't know, some highlights, you know, some things that really struck us. Yeah. So I think that's a lovely idea. Just a bit of a reflection, a bit of a chance for us to ruminate and share a few snapshots of some of the things that we've spoken about. And obviously it's not, you know, this isn't necessarily the best of everything, but these are just a few bits and there's so much in there that we can't, you know, we can't cover everything. So I guess we're just choosing a handful of things, right? Well, I'm glad you said that because honestly, I found this incredibly difficult. So what we're going to do, listeners, is James and I have gone away and picked three episodes each. And we've picked episodes that either stood out to us or made us think or provoked us or we got excited about. Um, They're not necessarily our favorite episodes, but they are definitely episodes that we think are worth a little bit of reflection and I have to tell you, James, I don't know about you, but this was hard. It's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, there's so much interesting stuff. And, and you know, clearly we both love learning about this broad field and, and speaking to people who bring such insight and information. It's really hard to navigate and select from within that. Yeah, so uh, when I've picked out my three, I was really surprised by the three I picked out because they're definitely not the ones that I would have thought I would have picked out. But each of them has, for me was a really important um, learning for both myself, but also how I could see other people taking it, which was really exciting for me. Uh, And you, you've managed to pick three in the end? I did. I managed to pick three. And and actually mine are kind of themed, which is interesting as well. And it kind of reflects some of the areas that I think are most interesting, but also really useful to people as well. So yeah, I've got three. I'm kind of, I am excited about them. It's kind of exciting to think I'm going to chat about them again a little bit. Okay, brilliant. Well, let's not uh, waste everyone's time any further. Uh, James, do you want to kick us off? What was your first episode? Okay, so I've gone way back to the beginning when we first started this. And the episode that I wanted to touch on was our second episode, which was all about emotional intelligence. Um, And in it, we covered a range of things. So we talk about what emotions are, about why we have them, about what emotional intelligence actually is and some of the domains of emotional intelligence. Um, as well as why it matters and some things that we can do to improve our emotional intelligence. And we also touch a little bit on some of the ways that the brain works to generate our emotions and, and how that affects us. Is this the same infamous episode where you describe a little bit about amygdala hijack and about three different people told us it was like the best way they've <laughs> yeah, heard to describe possibly. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely touched on it. Yes, that's right. That's it. Okay. Uh, so why have you chosen this episode? 
So I've chosen this because I think from a personal experience in life sort of development point, there are some really great benefits to developing your own emotional intelligence. And specifically by that, I, I mean, and this is a theme throughout the three I've chosen, that when we become mindful of our own thoughts and, and when we start to be able to step back and recognize that we are beings having thoughts and we are separate from our thoughts and separate from our feelings, that, that within that separation of you know, lived immediacy of thought and feeling and, and ability to step back and, and observe, when we get that separation, we, we give ourselves um, access to peace and space and mindfulness and observation, and it gives us a much more uh, controlled experience that can be helpful in many different ways. It, it stops us being slaves to our thoughts and emotions and gives us an opportunity to have more sort of agency in ourselves in the moment. And I think that's that's really powerful. And for me, one of the, the takeaways, and I don't think we touch on it here, but in, in other things I've read and, and things that we've spoken about, I think we mentioned it. And it's the statement that just because we think things and feel things doesn't mean that we need to believe them. And I, I think that sort of sentiment is so powerful and it, it permeates throughout a lot of work on emotional intelligence and awareness of our own emotions. Um, and I, I think that's very liberating. So I think there's a huge amount of power within the awareness of our own emotions and that ability to sit above them. Yeah, I think it is. And I, I oh, there's so much that resonates in that. I love the idea that there. The human being can take a filter to what they think and feel, and that that yeah. is that strength of being able to sort of robustly manage that process is is important. And I love I love listening. I remember when you were explaining it, and I just remember thinking, I have I want no I have to I want to be better at that. I want yeah. to be better at that bit that you described so succinctly around around processing and managing your own emotions. Yeah, and and you know I think a topic that we've not covered, but that's on my list is the you know the creation of our realities and the creation of our, our beliefs and the power of the mind to to shape what our reality is and i think that's sort of a next step from moving forward from emotional intelligence you know with emotional intelligence we can understand and interpret our current perception but i know that there are things that we can do to to shape and influence the way that we think and believe and to and the more we understand that we are agents in creating our own sense of reality the the more power I think we have in in finding truth and accuracy and rationality in what we do. But that's something that I'm hoping to explore in the coming year. Okay, so that's episode two, Emotional Intelligence. Before we leave it, is there one thing that you, one other thing that you would like to share from the episode or is there any reflection that you've got that you think is useful for people to know about? Um, I, I think I'll just hark back to that last point. And, and it's the just because we feel things and think things doesn't mean we need to believe them. For me, that's, that's the real message that's so powerful within all of this. Um, so yeah, so that's my key, my key takeaway, I think. Oh, so anyone, if you haven't listened to that, um, I know lots of you have, cause it's our early catalogue, but if you haven't, that's episode two, emotional intelligence. Great. Well, do you want to start with maybe your first episode, Jane? What was on, what was on your mind when you went through and, and oh, chose so it's really interesting how we've approached it differently as always. Yeah. Jane, yeah. Really. Different worlds, yeah, different approaches. Yeah, different worlds. Yeah. Um, so I... I guess for me, the three episodes I've chosen are all ones that really stopped me and made me think a bit differently about the world of work. And so the first one I've chosen is number 55. I sound like I'm doing a bingo call. Number yeah, what 55. is that? Number 55? It is Career Anchors. Right. Okay. Yeah. I've heard uh, other people mention that to me. I had some specific feedback on the helpfulness of that, both for somebody as an individual, but also 
in a capacity as coaching and developing others in their team. So it's good you've chosen that one. Oh, that's nice to hear. Well, is, so yeah. or the regular listeners will also might not be surprised by Kira Renkers because it was largely um, a piece of research from, uh, as you know, my favourite living organisational psychologist crush, Edgar Schein, um, and his work on career anchors. And so I, I really enjoy quite a lot of his work. Um, I like the stuff he does around humble leadership. I, uh, I like the stuff that he does around organizational culture. And so for me, career anchors is just one more thing that I feel he's really contributed. Um, and in it, we talk about the eight career anchors, specifically and the idea of a career anchor being something that tethers you. So rather than being things that you aspire towards, it's about the thing that you either won't give up or the thing that's most important and will will potentially restrain you from enjoying or thriving in a job if it's not there, which I, I just think is a, a really different way of thinking about what you need from a job and a role. Yeah, it's a nice lens through it to view it. And, and anchors, it's such a powerful phrase in itself. It really sums up the idea um, very well. Um, did you have any sort of key messages from it or, or key perspectives that, that drew you to that episode or that, that you think it would be worth sharing um, that you think others might get out of listening to? Well, I think, I think so, so I've chosen it predominantly, firstly, because uh, whilst uh, a lot of the material I look at and listen to is from practitioners, I do like to read about the academic stuff. And Shine was a, is yeah. a prolific academic uh, organisational psychologist. And I think that's useful. I think um, the other reason I chose it is because, and it links really closely to some of the stuff you were talking about, and you particularly mentioned about knowing yourself. Yeah. I think we get distracted sometimes by what we want from a career based on what our peers are doing, what our culture tells us we want. Totally, what, right? Right? Like, what is good look like? It, it looks like moving up the ladder in, an, in a relatively straightforward way with a certain... I mean, we all do it. Even, even the be- all the best of us who are good at fighting the narratives that we hear around us will go, oh, I only earn this. And even if I've got the best job in the world, what does that mean? What does that yes, say about exactly. me? Yeah. And I feel like shine really well in a really simple way articulates where the buck stops within your anchors right so things might there might be things you want from a job there might be you know you might want to to flex your technical muscles let's say if you're if you're a particular technician of a certain type of work uh but actually if the thing that anchors you is challenge and that's the one thing you can't do without then you are going to struggle in a lot of jobs um and that's true for everyone. And I, I, I guess the reason I like it is because it feels true. Yeah. But it's also backed up by some good research, which I like. Um, and I think that's really important. So for me, that's why I picked it. And then in terms of the, the favorite thing I took from it that I wish everyone would take from it, at least, and would listen to it because of, is the fact that it is framed in some senses, in a negative sense, right? So rather than what's yeah, the one thing you most want, it's what's the one thing you won't give up. And that really struck home for me about how useful I think negative framing can be in a constructive fashion, in a constructive conversation, using negative framing as a coach or a manager to say, okay, you've told me what you want. Now tell me what you don't. Tell me what this what bad looks like so that we can move away from it. Because sometimes in this world, when we're thinking about good enough, particularly when you don't sign up for a job for life anymore. I think there's a real opportunity that you say, okay, is this job good enough to get me to the next step of where I want to be or what I want to do? And I think that's when career anchors can really help you because you can say, oh, this is a great job. It's perfect. But if it's not going to give me the one thing I really want, then it could all go wrong. 
And I, I just, I've seen unhappy people, right? That's the bottom line, James. You and I both talk quite a lot about how we think a healthy workplace and a healthy work life gives you a healthy and happy, thriving yeah. life. Yeah. And I've just seen people go wrong because they haven't, they've maybe misunderstood just how important core anchors yeah. are to them. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's good. Well, you know what? In, in a funny way, that leads me on to my second episode that I want to speak about, which is uh, episode 21, which is to do with trust and something called the SCARF model. Oh, I and knew it would be in there. Yes, it's inevitable, isn't it? And and so the SCARF model is really about social threats. And I, a lot of what you've spoken about there when you're talking about career anchors is the fact that we are social beings and we're you know, we're influenced by sort of imposed expectations by others that we adopt and, and you know, internalize. And that's a lot of what the SCARF model is about. It's about what are some of the social connections that we have with each other and what are the expectations we have as social beings. Um, so, so there's quite a link there. And, and so in this episode, what we speak about is we speak about trust uh, as, it, as an idea in itself. We speak about why trust and trustworthiness matter. And a, a little bit about how to be more trustworthy, particularly in the workplace. And and we also go on and talk then about this scarf model and these different types of social threats that exist. So these are threats to us in a, in a sort of social context. And so scarf stands for status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness. And these are all things that if they're threatened, can can feel really uncomfortable for us. And we also reflect a little bit on the relationship between trust and, and our trust of others in our social circle and our propensity to feeling threatened or our ability to overcome these potential social threats that are out there so I, again i think there's some really powerful stuff in there and, and and i love it because we are such social beings right i mean we just are and sometimes we we think of ourselves as something else but we are so driven and shaped and controlled by our sense of social interaction with others in the workplace or, or more widely. And I think starting to think about that and starting to see some of the rules that we've created for ourselves about how we interact with others is hugely powerful. And, and learning about some of those rules um, and, and some of the things that threaten us or reward us from a social perspective, again, gives us an ability to manage some of those and gives us insight into some of those. So, so I, I just think it's great. Yeah, I... Um... I, it's one of those few episodes from the early days that's really, really clear still to me. Mm. And I remember you you, you pulled up the slides because it's back in the days when we used to do slides, right? Yeah, yeah. That was and cool. you pulled up the slides and I was like, oh my word, that makes so much sense. Um, and I yeah. I just, I, to I totally understand why you would see that as being valuable. And I, for me, it's also the scarf model in particular is something you and I have had countless people mention, haven't we? Yeah. Like people yeah. are always like, oh, have you heard, ever heard about the scarf model? It's so good. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. we have. Yeah, it's really um, useful, isn't it? And so for you, is there anything else that you'd like to share from that episode or that you think is um, So useful? I guess, yeah, I guess I've got a couple of reflections. I don't know how much we touch on them there, but there are certainly themes that I think about that, that fit within here. And there are a couple of things. One is kind of similar to that emotional intelligence. The more we understand what influences and affects us, the more sort of power we have over it. So I think with things like the SCARF Model 1, I think we can see a lot of problems in teams uh, coming down to social threats and, and the prevalence of social threats. But I think, too, once we start to be able to see these things and, and to be able to um, identify what feel like rules to the games that we play with each other in our in our social connections and workplace. Once we recognize the rules and can see them as rules and can see how they affect us, it takes away some of the power that they have. 
And likewise, when we name these things, it takes away some of the power that they have. So when we see that we are being threatened as a result of something that we can name and identify and think of as a bit of a social interaction rule within our teams, then to some extent, we can kind of say, well, do I want to be playing by that rule? Right? So status, do I really want to feel that my status being threatened is something that I want to adhere to as a rule that influences me? And we might say, well, actually, now that I know that that's what it is and I can name it, I, I want to step away from that and not play by those rules. And, and it gives us power to manage ourselves more effectively. Um, so that's, uh, I guess, a, a takeaway for me is, is we can challenge the root causes for this, but also by having the language and the insights into what these things are, we can manage ourselves through these things more effectively. So I, I think it's, again, it's a liberating piece of knowledge. Yeah, um, I, I, that's so interesting. I've got, I'm so interested in the complexities of what happens when we label things. So I think on the one hand, you bring them into the light and they can be talked about and reconstructed and poured over in a good way and people can start to destruct them. And then I also think that, you know, you think about all the labeling that goes on that can also be well-intentioned, but fundamentally can limit people and hold them and section them. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I think there's something so interesting about that. And I think the more we learn and think about those things... Um, in in the frame of how we relate to people and what we see going on, I think the more conversation that happens there, the better, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What about your episode number two? Where are you where are you taking us oh. next in our journey? Okay, so this is slightly controversial. Um, okay. I've changed it at the last minute. Um, All right, okay. And I mean, it's not controversial, but I was, I was surprised I included it, but actually, it, it got me thinking for a number of things. Um, mm-hmm. And it's episode fifty nine, and it's with Alexander Schwal of Rabbit Analytics. Oh yeah, yeah. And we talked about organizational network analysis. And uh, I don't know if you remember it well, but we were talking to him about how he was talking about technologies uh, uh, specifically related to mapping how people interact in an organization such that they can better inform organizations on how people truly communicate and work with each other. Yeah, versus yeah I remember. Do you remember? Versus yeah. what the um, the hierarchical map looks like. Yeah, and it's like different types of relationship that exist. And I can't remember all of them, but they're sort of influential and social. And there are like four different lenses or something like that. Yeah, and if, like different ways in which we connect to different people and on what purpose. And he, one of the things that, that, uh, that came out of it was he was talking about how there are these roles that span multiple uh, functions or multiple sections, and they tend to be much more influential than we realize. And we were sure, talking about yeah. things like, you know, the IT service desk bloke who actually actually fundamentally decides who his computer gets to work earlier, but but also yeah. his influence because his or her influence because they connect with everybody. And so they have, you know, a different way of communicating and, and, and pushing out and shaping culture and messages. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, but the reason I've picked it is not for that. Although okay. I have to say I was totally fangirling. The reason I yes. picked it is because... In that episode, I got really excited about what the technology could do. I remember talking to Alexander and I remember him explaining what they do and how what they're looking to do in the future. And all I could see was this amazing potential to shine a light on how different people at different levels of the organization can be so influential and so important and give them an un- and give organizations an understanding of their value and the different ways in which they shape the organization. Yeah, yeah. And yet about three quarters of the way through the episode, I got a little bit frightened because I suddenly started thinking about the dangers of technology in the wrong hands and the the issues around privacy and tracking people's relationships. So the technology basically we were talking about was where you might, for example, know, you could look at the volume of emails that go between different people in your organization, or you might 
do motion mapping around where people are in different offices or you have multiple offices, how they travel between them. Or now that we're all online, you might you might look at the, the volume of messages that get sent on your internal systems and stuff like that. Those are, there's lots of ways of doing it. Yeah. And I, I don't think Alexander was suggesting we should use all of them or indeed any particular ones of them. But certainly I had a bit of a moment where I was like, yeah, but there'll be a boss mm-hmm. somewhere, right? You know? Yeah, of course they will. Of course There'll they be will. a boss somewhere who's like, right, I want to know exactly how much my organization are talking to each other and where the silos exist and all of that. And that could be for a, someone who, who maybe is genuinely trying to do research. It could be the most exciting thing in the world because you could really help open an organization's eyes to the way they could con- uh, communicate better. But in the wrong hands or in the hands of someone who is looking for opportunities to rethink or restructure... It just suddenly, you know, it sent a little shiver down my spine. Yeah, yeah, very, very, yeah. Very, there th- can be risks associated with that for sure. Yeah, and I think, so I really wanted to pick it out because I think, I still think it's brilliant. I love what they do. I think what they yeah. do is amazing. But if even I, who spends hours trying to be as critical as I can on what's going on out there, can get swept away with the excitement of what's possible, then surely yeah, that's yeah, likely yeah. for everyone, right? Yeah, of and, course, of course. And so, yeah, so that's that's why I've picked that one. And I guess the thing I would want people to take from it is if they listen to just think about not only all the amazing things that could come out of it, which of which there are so many, but mm-hmm. also just taking a moment about if we don't get the culture, the values, uh, the open relationships in organizations right, such that people can critique and be honest and be open, what this sort of tech could do. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a theme through some of the conversations we have about sort of ethical risk within business um, and ethical decision making and and within that a layer of sort of ethicality over technology. Um, And I think that fits squarely within that. Yeah. And it's that but it's that thing for me as well. It's that just so you were talking about emotional intelligence, right? And this Mm -hmm. this ability to try and regulate um, or control or manage your emotions such they can be productive and useful. And I think that's so important. But it's exactly the same for me with this. I got really excited. I can imagine a CEO that you pitch this to of a major organization who doesn't feel he's got a handle or close enough relationship going, oh my God, this is amazing. I can totally see how this could help us. And then all it takes is a little change of structure or a little change of influence. And it could could be very easily, accidentally creating information that they just didn't realize they had and shouldn't have. Uh, Yeah, yeah. It can be systemically influential, can't it, in a way that's risky. Yeah. So I just, I, I, I would listen to it and I love, I absolutely love what Alexander and his team do, but the wider issue I thought was really interesting. So that's my yeah. second one. And that, I good. guess, brings us on to your third one, James. Yeah. Third and last for me. And, and again, like we said at the beginning, there's so many to choose from now. It's, it's, it's great to have that um, many options and it just makes it hard. Um, but the one I've chosen, again, kind of follows slightly a little bit of a theme. And, and the theme is about sort of a, a emotions and emotional awareness throughout what we do and, and our interactions and how those things uh, can benefit us, but can hold us back as well. And the episode I've chosen is episode number 94. Um, and this is an episode where we talk about creativity, innovation, failure and psychological safety. And it's with um, uh, Ronnie Reader Paulman and, and um, from, uh, from Nebraska. Um, and really what we, what we really speak about here is what creativity and innovation are. So, so what are these, these tools that we aspire to so much? And, and what are some of the benefits of innovation within our teams? And also, how can we create space 
for innovation within our teams. And, and it's part of three episodes that sit within this series, mini-series on innovation and creativity. And what we focus on in, in this specific episode, which is the first of the three, um, is failure and psychological safety. And what I, what I really like about this episode is the fact that one of the big things that holds us back from even putting the effort in to innovate, even putting the effort in to try new things and to take these risks is fear of failure. And this fear of failure is not so much to do with ourselves. It might be superficially to do with ourselves, but fundamentally it comes back to that social fear again. So a lot of our fear of failure that holds us back from even trying things is fear of stigma. It's fear of fundamentally a social threat, similar to what we spoke about in the SCARF model. And I think that's fascinating. Um, and so even though we know these things hold us back, we still construct these social threats in our own mind and, and have them uh, or give them permission to control us and then have so much power over us that they hold us back. So when it comes to what we do within teams as leaders to shape and create space for creativity and innovation, uh, what we what we need to do is we need to create these psychologically safe spaces where that fear of failure is diminished, where that fear of social threat is reduced, and so that we have permission. And, and perhaps even we celebrate taking risks, perhaps even we celebrate you know, facing into to new things and trying new things despite the risk of failure. And that that's, you know, a celebrated, beneficial, rewarded thing. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think, again, that follows the theme of uh, the episodes I've chosen out. But I think it was just a great example. And, and it really focuses that theme on a very attractive and, and hot topic that, that people don't always think of as a social phenomenon. But I think a lot of our our barriers and um, influencers that support innovation are, are social as well. So I, I think that's just a fun one. Oh, that is a great shout. We recorded, for the, for the guys who don't know, we recorded um, those in quite, quite a short period of time, um, the, the, all the episodes with, with that guest. And I'd forgot, I, like, I'd forgotten the richness and the depth of some of the stuff we talked about, yeah. I guess. Um, sometimes when particularly, and we were in a spate of recording quite a lot, I think in that period as well. And so sometimes, yeah. I don't know, it's nice for someone else to point out, you know, I might go and have a re-listen to that one because I haven't thought about yeah. that for ages. It was a great conversation. Yeah, it's really fun, wasn't it? It's really fun. And I guess like a, a couple of last sort of takeaways or things to reflect on for me is uh, back to some of the, you know, similar themes, which is our minds are powerful things. We create so many of these things that hold us back or, or empower us ourselves including some of our relationship with fear in this context. And we are these social beings. Um, and, and again, it's the power of our minds and our beliefs and all these things that we create ourselves that, that inhibit us or empower us. And, and I just think that's so neat. You know, we create our worlds and that's fascinating. Yeah, and I think that we've talked to you and I have talked a lot offline about how we can best cover this idea of our own perceptions of reality and how we construct that reality or how it is constructed yeah. around us. Um, and certainly those conversations along with a couple of others we had shortly after that um, felt like they started to scratch. I mean, very, very early. Yeah. Started They're to moving scratch in that, that direction. Surface, signposting. Right? Yeah. Yeah. As we start, and this is always the way with us, right? We start a conversation and then we look back and go, Oh, we know a lot more than we did then. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so brilliant. what about you? What about number three for you? Okay, so I can't decide if this is a really obvious one or a really not obvious one. I think it depends right. on, on whether you've listened to it or not. Um, so I've chosen episode 85 with Goncalo Silva from oh, right. okay. 
CTO at Todoist, uh, and it was officially the title. And honestly, James, I went back and looked at the title. I had to check it because I didn't believe it. Uh It's it's Remote Working Cultures. Right, okay. It's the title. But those are not the things that I most remember from the episode. No, me neither, me neither. So that's what we started, but it wasn't uh, where we ended up. Exactly, and that's kind of why I picked it. Because I I was thinking about it, because as you know, like I've I've talked about before, um, a lot of the episodes I love the most are when I get the chance to speak to someone who I think already does something brilliant. And I've, I've long been an admirer of the company. I think to do this blog is amazing about thinking about the way you work. Uh, but also I think their product's pretty good. So, and that's, this isn't a push them. I just, you know, I've used them. Yeah. And so I was quite excited. I thought it was quite cool to be able to talk to them. And then it was like remote working. And it was, it was just at the beginning of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic kind of yeah, it was, wasn't hit, it? hitting UK and beginning lockdown and things like that in 2020. So it was, I went in and I was a little bit, I don't know, maybe like jaded about remote working and mm-hmm. all the content that was out there. And so I've picked it because it was the most surprising conversation I've ever had um, on our podcast, I would say. I went in expecting one thing and I came out with so much, so, so much more and such, such different thoughts um, and what we ostensibly talked about, like I say, was remote working cultures, but we talked specifically about this ability to choose the environment that you want your organization to be run in, within, under, over, however you want to think about mm-hmm. environment, and how to buck the trend of what the sector narrative is around what is a good organization. And very specifically, we talked about a couple of things that just have stuck with me and still stick with me. And I keep still thinking about how I can incorporate them. And one is calling out something that I have had concerns about for so long, which is asynchronous working uh-huh. and the importance of it and how everything we seem to, we seem to drift towards a world of constantly having meetings or discussions. Rather so always than, on immediacy, right? Yeah. But also this need to constantly construct in teams, which uh, mm. really interestingly, there's a Ted talk by, Oh, what's Ken Robinson, who recently recently passed away, who's an educator, and he talked about how this trend towards um, team working in classrooms is gone too far. So we went from everyone doing independent work and that not being right to everyone doing collaborative work and that not being right either, and that, that you need a mixture of the both. And I think I see that in the workplace too. I think people are, you know, they're desperate to work in teams or constantly work and collaborative and have an agreement that's always, um, always involves everybody and 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 I just I think when we talked to Goncalo he was like no we need we need we need some of that but we also need great processes and systems that allow us to go away and do deep meaningful yeah, work deep work is a key key component and I, I just for someone who's an extrovert and will always be lured by the the, the symbol of a meeting and the excitement of talking to people and not creating enough space for myself to do deep work. I was, it was like listening. I don't know. It was like a hallelujah moment a little bit. I kind of went, oh, I'm so glad someone's talking about this. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so, and it was such a surprise because I didn't think that was the conversation we were going to have. Yeah, I was surprised by where we ended up as well. Um, and I, I I also just really enjoyed talking to Goncalo. I find him I find him an incredibly soothing person to talk to about yeah. the, the, the confidence that the world will move towards yeah. a more balanced approach to these things and away from this sort of now, 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 Silicon Valley, crazy, let's do just quick stuff yeah, and get it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I loved that. Yeah. Do you remember that episode? Do you remember? It yeah, was yeah, yeah, there. I do. Yeah, it was really fun and really interesting. And I loved the the sort of 
focus on deep work and calm organizations. Oh, see, you've nicked my last point. Oh, so, right. Okay. No, so no, would you tell me about way. the last point then? <laughs> so my last point was he, there was a, there was a, exactly what you said, right? He was chatting away and he threw in, and it definitely didn't feel constructed. He threw in this idea of a calm organization, calm work, a place where you can calmly make decisions and move forward with your work. And I felt, in simplest terms, I felt a little bit like the doors had been blown off me because yeah. there were about a million things going through my head. Did I like that idea? That sounded awful. Or but actually, it sounded brilliant. But, oh, how would I respond to that for myself? And how would other people? And I just, I, I guess what I'm saying is it was so, such the antithesis of what I imagined to be a successful organization. At a, at not not when I really think about it, but at a, uh, the way it's portrayed in the media. In, yeah, in the, the TV. sort of poster children of you know, silicon yeah. tech organizations are you not calm. I don't, I don't ever look through the stock photos of media, you yeah. know, platforms and go, oh yeah, they all look really calm. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. And I just, I, I just loved it, that episode for that because I just sat there and I thought I need, I love being passionate and enthusiastic. And I think passion and enthusiasm has been a real thing for the last 20 years yeah. um, and, and engagement and, you know, we're going to be committed to the culture and all of that. And he just painted a picture of a different kind of organization that I hadn't realized that I would like to be part of, but was. <laughs> yeah. 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 I enjoyed that as well. I thought it was pretty powerful. That's good. So there you have it. Those are my three all very, uh, mm. I like that because you've gone really for the, how the individual can really think about themselves, better themselves. And it links actually to an episode we've got coming up, I think with, um, we called an episode with Anna Fowley and you talked about a little bit about how, she talks a little bit about how leaders need to look themselves first. And I feel like yeah. all of the episodes you chose could really help someone do that. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, that's good. Well, it's great. We, I think we've covered off six there, um, which was good. And, it, you know, it's been really uh, fun to have a minute to step back and reflect and, and look over some of these points again and have a little celebration for ourselves of 100 episodes. So I think that was a really fun and rewarding thing for us to do and hopefully um, for listeners to uh, have a little bit of a, a more insight and hopefully a bit of fun as well. Yeah, and I guess I would just like to finish off from my end by saying a massive thank you to all of our listeners, but it's a little special thank you. We've got a hardcore group of listeners who listen to, I would say, pretty much all our episodes, and they interact with us on social, and we love all of you, and we're really appreciative of, of you when you give us feedback. 100%. Reviews. So we just want to say thank you for coming with us on that. Yeah, big early. thank you. Big thank you. And, you know, if there's ever anything you want us to look into... Drop us a note. You know, we're, um, we love to support and help people out. So give us a shout. That is a great question, James, to finish off. What are the next hundred going to be like? Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. There have been some spoilers. Maybe we know a few things, but I'm sure we'll navigate to new areas and new excitement. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Brilliant. Great stuff. Okay. Well, until next time, it's goodbye from me. Yeah. And it's a really big goodbye. And thank you from me. Hi. Thanks for listening to this episode of the World of Work podcast. To learn more about what we do, please check out our website, www.worldofwork.io, where you can read some great articles, learn more about the seminars and courses that we deliver, or even support us if you wish through our Patreon page. That's www.worldofwork.io. Thank you.